everybody. How are you guys? Good to see you. Good to see you. Haven't they, the weather just been hot and beautiful at the same time? Man, beautifully hot. That is, that is a great combination, right? That is a great combination. Well, we, uh, we do, like we were saying, at the men's con- it's actually a men's conference where I, we're, we're growing it into there's about nine churches that are going to be here. So uh, that's really cool. We were offering it to you first. I'm telling you, next week it's going to be offered to the rest of them. So you better get in on it because there's only 200 seats in this house and we're booking at 200. Just saying. There's going to be a lot going on, a lot of giveaways, a lot of fun activities outside, and a lot of, we're doing a barbarian style charcuterie board. It's, we call char cut artery. And so we're bringing the beef, the brisket, the sausage, the ribs, we're bringing it, all right? So don't miss it. It's $30 per person. And uh, listen, you know, you want to be there. I want to I want to say hello to our online community. I've gotten notice that there's people now online. They're like, hey, where was my greeting? I didn't get my greeting last week. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for watching, tuning in, comment down below, and let us know that you're where you're at, who you are, and just say something. Just give us a hallelujah online as well. We'll appreciate that. Hey, baptisms are the, uh, the 29th of May. It's coming close. If you've never been baptized, water baptized. It's time to get water baptized. It's that next step. It is a spiritual experience. It is not a religious act. And so you will see life change. You will see transition. You'll see a new level of joy internally. We're all about next steps and growing people in their spiritual journey. Speaking of next steps, as Jesse Rodriguez said, tonight is our next steps class. What that is, is it gets you immersed and introduced to who we are culturally at Thrive Community Church, where we come from, our our foundations of of belief and and operation, so to speak. And so we want every one of our people to come through here to go through next steps and to learn and grow in what next steps even look like in the body of Christ. And so that's why we do that. Need to register, though. It's going to be tonight at 6 p.m., gathering right outside in the cafe. And so moving on. We, we, I really believe there's a, there's a burden on my heart that, that, that the world is ra- waiting for revival. And it really is waiting for revival. And revival is only going to happen if the church begins to prepare for revival. I think so many times the church, so often the church is just waiting on revival instead of preparing for revival. And a burden that's been on my heart and my wife's heart, Allie's heart, has been praying for restoration of, of hurts and differences that are in the world right now, praying for reconciliation in relationships. These things are, 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 are very important for us to begin to experience on a personal level revival. We're even praying for spiritual prodigals to awaken and come to Jesus wholeheartedly. My wife touched on it. Of the, the, the church has been coming in and treating the house of God like a country club. Well, that's a spiritual prodigal right there. But whenever we start to see it as training ground, that's when we become spiritually alive and we start to awaken to the destiny that God has for us, the things and the purpose and the plans that God has for us. And all of a sudden, things look different. They feel different because they are different because of our approach. And so we're we're praying for you, spiritual prodigal, (laughs) praying for you to come to Jesus and have a real encounter with Jesus and and those that are outside of the, the building itself too, but Revival has to start with us. It is God's plan since the beginning to work through a group of people, and he called those people his church. 
It doesn't happen to us. It happens through us. He wants to do something in us so that he can do something through us. And that's how it all starts. That, that's how the awakening begins to take place. And Jesus came and he didn't just give us principles. He embodied principles. And, and the people were as drawn to his, his character as they were drawn to these principles that he taught. Why? Because he saw that we, the, that we saw that there was change in him and was so attractive because in and of ourselves and in our own decisions, we couldn't find the change that would actually be productive and bring favor in life. And Jesus embodied these and we could see it. And his hopes are that his church is changed into the likeness of him. And, and the Corinthians would say from glory to glory. That's his hopes for us that, hey, watch me. Emulate me, listen to my principles, embody them, carry them, let them do a work inside of you, and I will take you from glory to glory. That's our part. He does his part. So that's why we're calling this series All Things New. And I hope you have your little handout. I hope you have your little handout. There you go, Greg. Thank you. There's one of you in here. Because there's notes in there. And if you need one, they have them in the back. Pastor Cass is right back there holding it up. I'm telling you, follow along with us, fill in these blanks, because in the midweek is where you start to get your nutrition. I'm going to give you the food, but you don't really eat and dive in till the midweek when you start to let this stuff stir up inside of you and begin to do a good work inside of you on your daily devotions, by the way, folks. Daily devotions with the Lord. And so we do such a hard work to try to prepare these things for you guys to grow so that you can become even more mature in the Lord. So we call it All Things New because our hopes and intentions of this series is a personal revival that pours out into the lives of others around you. And there's more than more to just more than just salvation to this spiritual life. Salvation starts something that is an awakening. There, there's, a, there's a joy filled lifestyle that the world can't understand and 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 it's a spirit empowered life that is that is promised by God so today we're talking about blessed are those who mourn blessed just the word makarios is means bliss filled happy happy are those who mourn like not it's not a happy in the sense of oh because of what's happening in my life I'm going to be happy no, that, that's what the world standards are, and so you just need to make me happy so that the happenings are good for me to be happy. That, that's kind of how that standard lives. And, and, and we're, when we're immature and we don't quite understand God, we think, well, well he, he, he's supposed to make me happy. Everything in the Lord is supposed to be happy. Well, he says yes, but here's how that looks. Here's the principles in which to apply to your life so that you will always be happy, no matter bliss-filled, blessed, no matter the circumstances of life. It just means that, hey, you are literally joy-filled on the inside, and nothing in your life can rock that, and the world, outside world, is, is curious. They can't understand that, but yet at the same time, there's something internally that is attracted to that because they need that. Gives you the opportunity to say, man, I know you're going through it. I can see it. I've been there. I wish you had my joy. I wish you had my joy. And man, when you can carry that because of these, are principle, these principles applied to your life, the lost world will look in and say, well, how do I get it? I'm glad you asked. It's all about Jesus. But we have to walk this thing out so that 
this thing that so many believers never even get to. And so Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. They'll get that figured out. They will be comforted. Are you saying, Pastor Nathan, that, that happy are the sad? Like it, sound, it sounds so weird, but it's true. Happy are the sad. And, and, and when I started writing this out, it reminded me of a clip that's just hilarious in a movie. And I'm like, I got to play this for you guys. And so if you will, if, if nothing else, it's for me to deliver this message better. Appease me because I'm about to play, play this little clip from Jumanji. The characters we chose, we all have certain skills. So there's got to be a way to access our What you just do? Strength, fearless, climbing, speed, boomerang, smoldering intensity. <laughs> what just happened? Um, you just smoldered. Weakness. None? Uh, how'd you do that? That, uh, that lift? Uh, well, I just, I, I think I just pressed my, my enormous left pec. I hate this game. Weakness? <laughs> cake. Yes, cake is my weakness, along with speed and strength. Huh. Strength is my weakness. Hey, can I, quick question. How is strength my weakness? Somebody explain that to me. And why would I need speed? Why would I need to be fast when I'm being chased by an enormous killer zebra? They're also a good weapons valet. What does that mean? Well, I think it means you carry my weapons in your backpack and you give them to me when and if I need them. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning is your strength. <laughs> be it's so, off, it's so off track. It's so off kilter. It's like, I don't understand it. Strength is my weakness. That's how, that's how the Lord works. He just takes something that's logical, flips it upside down, and then once you experience it, it gives you revelation that, that shifts the way you see life. And that's the beauty of it right there. So I wanted you to have that joy right in, in, in that clip because it just popped in. I was like, we got to play that. But God moves in the middle of a bad day. God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. And this is why mourning is a blessing. Because he, he promises that you will be comforted. He's going to show up in the midst of it. In the middle of your terrible situation, and he's showing up. He's promising, I'm going to be there. And sadly, many believers never get here. Because many believers, on their bad days, in their times of mourning... They choose not to lean in to the comfort of the Lord. It's right there, and it's waiting, and so is he. His promise is he shows up, but instead we make other choices that, choose, that keep us from leaning in from the comfort of the Lord. And I'm going to explain that today. And there's happiness even in difficult days because we will experience the provision, the purpose, and the presence of God. We will experience provision, purpose, and presence of God. And I really believe that if you will let your walls come down, you can experience the peace and comfort of God in every difficult season. People 
will wonder, how are you dealing with this so well? It's the supernatural comfort of God that he promises to his people. And the things that, about these Beatitudes is that they are, they're so counterculture, and not just out to the outside world. These are counterculture principles even to the church. Because even though we're in the church and we're saved and we're going to heaven, there's something inside of us that says, I've got a better way of doing this. I see that your word says that, but here's how I think this should play out. And let me give you three things that are abiding principles around this topic, and then I'm going to give you three ways to live through a bad day. And a lot of people carry a flawed theology on these principles, and we're going to clean those up today. I'm going to address these different theology perspectives. And we think, here's the first one, we think bad things shouldn't happen to good people. So when you go through a bad day, and, and one of the thoughts early in faith is, God, haven't you, haven't you obligated yourself to where this shouldn't happen? I thought if I come to you, everything should be good from here on out. And that's a flawed theology. And many people haven't, haven't everything's supposed to be sunshine and rainbows and butterflies for me. Because now I'm in Jesus, and, and everything's just supposed, to, just supposed to be great. No matter what I do or choose, it's just supposed to be great. And I just want to say, time out, because God does, he does intervene in many ways, a lot of times, for us here on earth. In fact, I would say, if you're a believer, even though you may go through a bad day or a season, you get, we get to live the best version of life here on earth than any, anybody else on the planet. And if you ever go back and look and think about how life was before you came to Jesus... If you'll allow yourself to remember, it was, it was hard. And how many times is God protecting, stepping in and intervening to give another third, fourth, and fifteenth chance for you to redirect how you think through certain situations? Thank the Lord for that. And God moves powerfully on earth, and we see this in Hebrews 11. You see a, this long list, it's that faith chapter, and it's like God is moving mountain a moving river a splitting rivers and, and he's showing by faith these people did all these things but then he also shows at the end verses 35 and 40 there were others they were tortured they were persecuted and mistreated the world was not worthy of them like these are god's people they wandered in deserts and caves and living in mountains and living in caves and in holes in the ground these were all commended for their faith Yet, not, yet none of them received that what had been promised. Not one of them had received what had been promised to them. Let's put it this way. What they thought they would receive here on earth, they didn't get to see it until the other side and they got to heaven. And I put it even a, a deeper pr perspective. What we get to see and what we've been experiencing in life and by faith are the things that they prepared for us by their acts of faith. And let me put this in greater perspective. I'm going to take you three layers deep. Because of the things that you're willing to persevere, as you're willing to per persevere God's way by faith, we're laying a groundwork for others who are coming behind us that will see the promises that we have in our heart. But we may not see all the promises that God has shown us. But somebody will, if we'll do the hard work right now. And since God had planned something Better, it says, for us that only together with us would they be made perfect.
perfect. And so oftentimes we forget that when something doesn't work out, it's because God has something better. It doesn't work out. Great. God has something better. There's a, there's a mentality that says, well, that's not fair. God's not fair. Well, thank goodness God's not fair. Because if God was fair, then you would get what you deserve. Let me put it this way. Thank goodness God isn't fair. If he were fair, we would have to pay for our, sin, our sins ourselves. Thank God that you're not fair. I don't want you to be fair. I believe we need to get our theology right. And that's my main job to give you correct perspective as you approach God, as you approach the word of God, and you begin to read it through a lens of correct theology. And a lot of the comfort of God happens here on earth, but some of it happens in heaven. And by faith, we just have to learn to accept that fact, the reality of our lives. Because, again, in Christ, we never die. We transition into eternity. Like, this flesh struggles with it, but the spirit is like, come on, baby. Let's get there. But let's make a wild ride on the way. 2 Timothy 4.18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Which is it? Is he going to rescue me or is he going to bring me? Yes. He's going to rescue me and he's going to bring me. It's good news. It's not that it's not going to happen. It's going to happen, but yet God is going to rescue me and then he will bring me. Hallelujah. And which, so they can say, I wish, I wish you, you kind of get to this point. People are watching. How are you going through that? And you get to answer because you're going through it God's way. I wish you had my joy. I wish you had my peace right now. Because just like you, I'm going through it. But I have a different, I have a different turn on this thing. I got to give it a different twist. I got a different perspective because of what I've allowed God to do in my life. And here's the next one. We think pain always means something is wrong. Are you mad at me, God? What are you trying to say? <laughs> give me an answer. I was with a, a guy and, you know, he's growing in his faith and we were, went over to a, a couple's house to minister. They had gone through a rough time after having a, a child, and, and they were having a rough time and, uh, medically. And the guy, with the most sincere of heart, just theology a little off, and he's like, what do you think God is telling you? The, like the presumptuous and the judgmental approach was like, God is doing this because you were out of obedience. What? I'm like, bro. Sometimes things happen. But if we have a misplaced theology and judgment is in our heart already and criticism, then we're going to think that just because somebody's going through a bad season, God is punishing them or God is punishing us because we have the flu. No, that's not the case. We'll break that down a little bit further, but that's not the case. But I do want to show you how God uses that. As I mentioned in, in First Wednesday, you weren't here to hear that message. I, I ask you to go watch that online on YouVerge, on YouTube or Facebook. But James 1, 2, and 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Like, come on, baby, <laughs> which is kind of a, a little bit extreme. Yes, I'm going through a trial. 
But if you just, maybe not that, but you just say, hey, you know what? The good news is I'm, God's doing something right now. And while, it, while my soul is lamenting, my spirit is rejoicing because my spirit gets the understandings of God because the Holy Spirit dwells within my spirit, but my soul is just struggling with some stuff. But if I can think from a place of what's best for me, then I can rejoice. I can celebrate. I can praise the Lord in the midst of it because that is what's going to cause me to agree with God rather than agreeing with my soul. And most times we agree with our soul, and boy, that takes us a different place. But this is what mature believers who know, who know that, know that God didn't create this issue, but God will use this issue. He, he didn't cause it, but he allows it so that he can do something inside them. This becomes, in a mature believer, this, an, an innate knower. Like, I know that I know that I know. Like, I'm just sensitized and trained to just know that God is doing something great in the midst of this. And all I have to do is get my mind off the situation. Whether you like it or not, God is a developer. As, as Ali said, when during where after in the worship, God is creating things when he speaks. Because he's a developer. And, and before you judge God for doing, for allowing things and using things, you have to understand you're a developer too. Because none of you, if you have kids, none of you wake up and go to your kid's room and say, Hey, school's today, but would you like to just stay in bed and just sleep late? Which one would you like to do? Nope. No. No, 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 Daddy, I don't want to get your butt out of bed. We got to go to school. Why? Because you know that education is best for your child. You know that getting up early is best for your child. You know that education creates, shapes character, and that is best for your child. Therefore, you do the same thing. You allow and you use the same situations just as your Heavenly Father uses. We're good when we're on the side of get your butt out of, out of bed and get it. But when we're on the side of, oh, I just want to sleep late, oh, man, we struggle. But God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And if you don't get used, get used to that, then you're not going to enjoy this Christian walk very much. He's going to look at every comfort zone that you've created, and he's going to approach that with a, he's going to allow situations right there because your comfort creates problems, not God. And then he, he allows you to face the issues of your own comfort, your own idols, your own world that you've created. And then once he's allowing your, you to come to the end of your situation, he brings a principle into your life to say, hey, would you like to do this my way? Ooh, everybody loves that. Praise the Lord. Consider it all joy, brother. Ooh, various trials. Various trials. Perseverance, it says, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not, not lacking anything. And sometimes we pray, you know, we get really spiritual in those seasons. We're like, oh, Lord, I just want to be, I just give me, give it all to me, Lord. Don't, I don't want to lack anything. Don't hold anything back from me. Just, just do it now and do it once so I don't have to go through it over and over again. Who's prayed that prayer? Yes. And, and, and he's like, okay. Here we go. And then in the midst of it, you're like, no, Lord. And you know, you're finding somebody to blame for your situation. And you're like, oh, I don't want you to lack anything. And neither did you. But it creates perseverance. And perseverance got to finish its work. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, so be, true, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Where? <laughs> Enduring many trials. 
What? It makes no sense. It's faith. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy ahead in those trials. But for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Listen, there's a purification. It's getting the impurities out. That means as you're going through these trials, there's two issues in all of our lives that will, that will keep us in comfort, walking away, just in this plateaued Christian life. And, and one of them is discipleship, and the other one is freedom. Because in your trial, the, a lack of discipleship will be, rev, will be prevalent, or let's say you're discipled, there's a freedom issue, a pain from the past, there's a, an ungodly belief system that begins to emerge. And these two, these two deficiencies in your life will cause you to want to walk away from God, godly people, people that God has put around you to run back to your own comfort zones, your own world. No amens? Amen. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise. And this is not really a good, uh, a good translation of this. What it really is, is it literally means that it brings a fulfillment that's on the inside that's hard to describe. And so these pains, these trials, this purification, actually, when, when your faith remains strong through these trials, it brings you much pray like man i can go th- I, thank god that he taught me how to go through these things and i didn't do what i was gonna do and run where i was gonna run and decided to, to say and act upon the things that were coming to my head but instead i brought them under obedience of christ and he brought me through and he gave me revelation yeah thank you she knows she's been through it and glory and honor on the day when jesus christ is revealed to the whole world this is what this means is then it becomes testimony to the lost world like they've watched you go through some difficult stuff and they watched you go through some difficult things again and all of a sudden this joy that is complete inside of you this awe and wonder because you've been tested from previous trials and you know how god comforts those who are mourning all of a sudden the lost world it is now a testimony to them and now they're attracted they're wondering how does this individual go through it because i work with them i know what they're going through but yet they have a different peace a different joy and then you get to say I wish you had my joy. <laughs> when they're going through it, I wish you had my peace. And I want to explain the concept on how to live through a bad day. And I know bad days. I've had my share of bad days and, and life trials and life-changing, life-altering circumstances in my own life. I've, I've had my share of those. And I want to show you how to go through them on your own. The first thing that happens whenever you're going through a bad, traumatic, life-changing experience is shock. You're shocked. How could... Me? Jesus. Like you're shocked that this stuff is happening to you. Your comforts. What you've created. What you knew to be true. And you even get that high-pitched voice. It's when you get that phone call and, that, that, and there's something that happens that's very dangerous if you're going through it by yourself. The tendency is to go and isolate, get into solitude, and I'm just going to 
shut myself off to the world so nothing shocking could ever happen to me again. The enemy would love that to happen, and he does it. And then sorrow sets in after shock. And now you're sad, you're, you're down, you're grieving. Now, and let me just say, this is not a bad place to be in. But when grieving turns into hyper-grieving, then it makes, a room, it makes a way, it makes room for the enemy to come in and start to do some dirty work on your soul. And if we don't get a hold of the sorrow phase and the grieving phase and, and allow God to process that with us, it will turn into hyper-grieving because you'll, get medit- you'll become to begin to meditate on it so much that you go down this dark alley and all of a sudden Satan starts to give you truths. He gives you a different narrative than what is actually the facts. Oh, it's true. And yes, Jesus was a man of many sorrows, but he always processed his sorrows with the Father. And the healthy thing about grieving is I'm going to go and I'm going to process it with loving people around me because I can't trust what's going on in here because I've given space to wrong thinking. And so I'm going to process it with God according to his word only outside of what I think to be true and those who love me and can see my gaps, my blind spots because God has blessed me with them. So I'm surrendering myself to that. And then struggle starts to set in if you don't process it properly. And now this is where the enemy is given space. I'm struggling with this. I'm mad at God and I'm mad at anybody who, is so, who I associate with God. I'm just mad. It's not going my way. My comfort zones are getting rocked. And it's not looking like I thought life should look like. I'm mad. And every one of us go through the first three. But few of us turn to the next three. Few of us successfully navigate through these next three I'm about to give you. So once you're done with all the struggle, after the shock and the sorrow, the struggle, then you finally say, I surrender. I surrender. And this is where I say, I have no other choice except to say, your will, God, not my will. I've tried it all. I, I... I've searched out everything that I think is to be true. I've tried it, to do it all, and i tried to set it all up, but it's just none, none of it works. I surrender. I yield to your perfect work, the work of the, the inner working of the Holy Spirit, God. I, I yield. And several are here, and I'm telling you online today, and your only hope to get through what you're going through right now in this season is to let go of the struggle. And just surrender. The comfort that is being withheld from your mourning is because you're unwilling to surrender to the perfect work that God is doing in this season of your life. You still have a better chance, a better choice, a better idea of how this should play out. And it's never going to play out because you're going to be stuck in the struggle with the work of the enemy doing a dirty work on your soul until you surrender. And once you do, once you surrender, sanctification, this big word that's in this, this the, uh, theological sanctification happens. And this is where God uh, uses situations 
He doesn't call them. He uses them to align your soul, your spirit with his word. And all of a sudden he's cleansing you and he's conforming you to the image of God, to the image of Jesus, to the image of the word and the inner working of the Holy Spirit. And then after that, this is where service starts to come out of. So now I move into a place where where now I know that I can use the comfort in which I've been comforted to then go and give it and comfort others. And this is why mourners can be comforted. You may, <clears throat> I'm just, you may want to le- re-listen to that last, that last part, and you can always go online to re-listen to it, but I'm telling you, we'll be stuck until you start to move into surrender, sanctification, and then that's where service comes out of. And lastly, we think we know what's best. We tell God, okay, you're doing it wrong. God, I'm going to go pray. And when I come back, this is how it needs to play out. Because I'm sure that this is what I want. And he's like, hey, that's not really how you want this thing to play out. And it's like going to, you know, having that high school sweetheart that you had. But then you go to that class reunion 25 years later and you say, ooh, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer. I told you so. And then it starts waking up. Oh, okay, there's prayers I'm praying right now that I really don't want them to come to fruition. Lord, your will. Your, your will. Oh, man. And it's funny, though, but it, we still have to get to this point to where we just trust God and what he's doing to, to, to surrender to the good work, the, 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 the life-changing work inside, saying, I don't know best. I don't know best, but you do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, this, is, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as heavens are high, uh, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. And mature people who go from mourning to comfort, oh, they believe this. His thoughts are higher, and his ways are higher. In fact, God actually used this, ver- this passage in my life when I was going through a challenging season. The things that I, I thought to be Here's exactly where I'm supposed to be going. All of a sudden, God used this. I, I was going in a, to have a meeting with my pastor because I needed to share. And God is, God is he's challenging me to step into full-time ministry. He's challenging me to, to move to another country. Not only that, I don't know anybody in this country. And it's a, one of the poorest countries in our hemisphere. And God's saying, I want you to go there. I want you to stay there. I want you to abandon everything. On, the, on my way to have, have breakfast with my pastor to tell him all these things. Because I'm like my world's getting rocked. Like I don't, have a, I don't have a framework for this. There's nothing built up inside of this. It doesn't really make logical sense for me. And so I'm getting rocked here a little bit. On the way, my mom texts me. She texts me one of those verses in that passage. And then within an hour, I'm having a conversation. And without my pastor's knowing... He says the other verse. And, 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 you know, a human mind, a logical mind, and as you're growing in the Lord, you think that well, people are manipulating me. They're talking to each other, and they know it, and, and they're just trying to set me up, and, and they're, they're trying to control my lives. And, like, you go through this because your framework is getting jacked up, and you don't realize that God has actually got a story for you, and he's waiting for you to come into agreement with his version of the story and your version is like, man, I know exactly the details of how this thing should play out. And God's like, no, you don't. 
And there's this tension. Do, do I go your way or my way? Your way or my way? Do I keep it in my comforts or do I just let it go unto you and yield it all? And God used this in my time. It was mourning. Yeah, yeah, God's calling you into something, but there's some mourning going on. There's some grieving. Well, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if it, if it is it going to work out. All I know is this is what God is saying. And you're going through something right now. And God is sitting there waiting for you to surrender and yield your version of the story for the sake of his version so that he can begin to impart to you what life really looks like. Navigating through this situation really looks like. And he's probably even bringing godly counsel all around you and speaking life into you. And you've just been dismissing it because it doesn't look like your version of the story. Can I get a good amen somebody? And for those who know someone who went on to be with the Lord too young, there's, there's a reality for that too. Uh, I've experienced that. We've experienced that in our family, haven't we? But Isaiah 57, 1 says, Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. Like there was a time, but then they died before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. But then he says, No one seems to understand that God's actually protecting them from the evil to come. Hmm. When we can accept God at his word, it's no longer, why God? But thank you, God. As hard as it is for my soul to accept, my spirit is rejoicing because there's a greater truth, there's a greater reality at play right now. And one day, I don't know everything right now, but one day I will. One, one day I'll get to sit in the throne room and ask questions and understand. Or it may be that when we transition into eternity, we all, we all of a sudden just know. I don't know. But I'm going to trust him at it. I think he's got a better version of it. It tends to work his way. Psalm 34, 18 it's always a second thought for me when I'm going now that I've grown and I've seen God do so much work and things start to get a little bit off kilter and I'm going through a bad thing, struggle. This is my second thought. I wish it was my first thought. First thought is problem. Second thought is Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And when I take my sight off the problem and I grab a hold of God's word, I realize, ooh, he's close. He just entered into the room. I got bad news. Jesus just entered in. This is good news. Bad news turned into a good situation. When I trust him, this thing turns on its head. In my faith, I know the Lord enters in. And I think some of you need to hear this. If you'll go to the next screen. If you're going through it, He's sitting right there in the room with you saying, hey. I'm going to teach you how to go from mourning to comfort. I'm going to give you a very practical playbook to get there. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 5 says, Praise be to God the, Fa God and Father, the, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Maybe I haven't been through what you've been through, but I can guarantee you Paul has, the writer of this passage, 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We, get, we go through the same things the lost world goes through, and they're watching, but we have the comfort of God in our lives. And as he enters in, as we allow, he's not going to force himself upon us, and he comforts us, all of a sudden we have a comfort inside that as we see the lost world going through it, we can then come and comfort them. Hallelujah. So then I can praise the Lord when I'm going through something because I realize he's comforting me and I'm going to get to comfort some others. God is always trying to take me off of me. Trying to get me off of my mind. Trying to get you off of your own mind. He says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our our comfort abounds through Christ. Then he gets personal right here, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 11. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Yeah, we went through it. Don't be confused about the difficulties, the hardships. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And I believe the pressure had become so great in his sorrow that the enemy of our soul had given had had room to work into his mind and all of a sudden because of the enemy's work he was having suicidal thoughts. This is what happens when sorrow lingers too long and grief turns into hyper grief. You've experienced it. pressure was too great he says I got a little too big for my bridges anybody ever been there I got this and started to rely on myself and my own strength he says but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead I might need to surrender a little control and quit relying on my methods and start switching the switching the script God what how do we do this? I'm a little too big for my britches in this situation. Situation on purpose. He has delivered us, he says. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. He has, he will, and on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And if we don't give up, Paul shows us how our bad day can still impact others. It will impact others. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I'm going to give you three quick things. Three R's. I gave you three C's on first Wednesday. I'm going to give you three R's today. What do we do? Practical playbook right here. Number one, I refocus on what's happening in me and not to me. I'm going to refocus on what's happening in me. I'm going to take a deep breath and say, if something is happening to me, it's because God wants to do something in me. Somebody ought to write that down right there. If something is happening to me, it's because God wants to do something in me. And so I refocus. The problem wants us to focus on it. But I'm going to refocus, I'm going to focus, God, what are we doing right now in this season as this thing over here is happening? I will not be distracted by this thing, but I will be focused on what you are doing. He's not causing it, 
but he's allowing it to better us. 2 Corinthians 1, 9, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Oh, I got this way out of here. I know how to do this. But we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And ask the question, in the middle of a bad situation, what is God going to use it for to teach me? And I'm telling you, if you can't ask that, if you can't pray that prayer, you're going to delay your answer. And not only that, there will be another similar, more difficult scenario situation of life that will bring back around this, this learning opportunity. It's going to be more of a struggle because it's got to get more of your attention to refocus from the problem and relying on yourself to saying, God, I can't get out of this one. How do we do it? What are you doing in me? My pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. A lot of prisoners in the house. We get to choose. Then I'm going to refocus, I'm going to remember. God always delivers. 2 Corinthians 1.10, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. The best predictor of God's present help is his past faithfulness. Think backwards. He's got you through some stuff. He's got a great plan. So when you're going through it, you have to remember, I'm going to refocus, not the problem, but the problem solver. And I'm going to remember the problem solver has gotten me through some things. And I, I have great experience, some revelation. God has not only gotten me through it, but he's bettered my life his way. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to look at the end. If you think you're going through it and it's never going to change, you think it's going to hell in a handbasket, Revelation 21, 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order, the old order of things has passed away. Refocus. Okay, God, my attention's on you. Remember, you got me through some things. And then number three, I'm going to rely on solid relationships. Can't tell you how important this one is. Second Corinthians 1.11, he says, He will continue to deliver us as you help us. Who is us? This is Paul. His friends, his partners in the ministry. The people God surrounded him with, if you don't know if you have any of those people in your life, why don't you look around you on a, on a daily and a weekly basis? Because I would have never made it without my pastors. I would have never made it without Shauna and Kevin sticking by my side, praying for me, seeing it through the difficult times. I would have never made it without my family. I'd have never made it without my small groups that I've been in. I'd have never made it by the people, without, the, without the people speaking life into me. I won't make it into the next season that I know God has for me without the men that I meet with every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. It's uncomfortable, but there's something that it takes to get through the season and get into the next season that I've got to do even if it's inconvenient. 
because it's what gets me through. My question to you is, do you have that? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Refocus, remember, and rely. I want to pray quickly. I want to pray for grief. I'm going to pray for sorrow. And I want to pray for this internal mindset struggle. There's something about this old order. Many of you are dealing with an old order of thinking. And God is trying to shatter that old order right now for a new order. A new way. A new perspective. So here online, I want to pray for you. We'll have prayer team here at the end of the worship. If you've yet to give your life to the Lord, today is the day. It's time for a rededication, a commitment to God and His values. So if you're here today or you're online and you've been struggling with sorrow, you've been struggling with grief, or this internal mindset that God is trying to rock right now and you're fighting God, you know, when people say, man, God's been dealing with me for three weeks, what you're saying is, I've been rebellious towards God for three weeks. Because if He's dealing with you, that's the time to start surrendering. So, Father, right now, we just pray for every heart that is struggling with sorrow today. Struggling with a level of grief that is almost paralyzing, that is giving space. And they're in isolation right now, not inviting others into the story. It's giving space to the work of the enemy to create a false narrative. Lord, we just pray for a supernatural work, an inner working of the Holy Spirit to just move upon them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for a revelation and a, a yielding and a humility to those who are dealing with an old order, an internal mindset struggle, because what they've built up to be true in their lives is no longer being no longer true. What has got them here is being rocked. Because your thoughts are not our thoughts. And your ways are higher than our ways. So, Lord, I just pray for a yielding for every person online, in the house. And I pray that you do a good work. And you build up new pillars of understanding, of growth, of maturity, for your sake, for your glory, and for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.